I'm hoping that he will use it in yours as well. We're part of a series, and if you've been with us, you know that we're taking a look at who are we as Calvary. And we've taken a look at the phrase that what we're about, the one thing we're about is drawing and connecting people to Jesus, okay? Draw and connect people to Jesus. That's why we're here. And understand, if we say that's why we're here as a church, that only works if it's happening in each of your lives, But understand that if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and the reason that you've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit is so that you can reveal him to the world wherever it is you come into contact with that. You have the ability to show Jesus Christ to the world. You can draw and connect people to Jesus. Amen, John. And the world desperately needs Jesus because he is the hope of the world. So, today we're looking at who we're becoming, and this is the third aspect of that as we looked at who we're becoming. Listen, if you've got Jesus in your heart, and if you're growing in your relationship with him, and you're focused on that relationship with him, you're naturally going to be coming more and more close to him. And as you do that, your heart will be turned into a heart of worship for him, And as that heart of worship for him is displayed in your life, several characteristics will come from you. One is contentment in Christ. Pastor Doug looked at that a couple of weeks ago. The second is a concern, a genuine concern for the lost, for those who don't know him. Today we're going to be looking at the fact that a heart of worship displays itself through careful stewardship. Careful stewardship in each of our lives. And the big idea for today is that we are stewards of God's provisions. We are stewards of God's provisions, each one of us. So we're going to look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 contains some parables. And before we get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about parables. If you look on the uh, on the right side of your notes, it says, what is a parable? Because I thought maybe some of you don't know exactly what a parable is. So what is a parable? Well, I put a little definition there for you. It's something easy to understand. A parable is a story using a common event of life to explain, emphasize, or clarify an important spiritual truth. Super. Right? All right. Let's put it in simpler terms. I don't know about you, but I do well with simple. A parable is a story about the natural that's used to explain the supernatural. Okay? That's pretty cool. I don't know why, you know, it's hard, right, sometimes to understand the supernatural. We say, man, I don't naturally get this. Right, because you can't. Naturally, you can understand it, but supernaturally, you can. That's the amazing thing about being a part of of God's kingdom, the family of God. Listen, God places the supernatural within you because he knows you can't do it naturally. Well, all right, now we have something to start with, and that's what we need to get a grip on. But the truth is, because we live in this natural world, it's really hard for us to focus on the supernatural. Remember when Jesus went to to Nicodemus? Well, Nicodemus went to, to Jesus, and then Jesus said to him, you don't, even, you don't even understand when I speak to you of, hi, Eric, it's good to see you. Eric's back. Squirrel. Okay, it's all right. <clears throat> Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you don't even understand when I speak to you of, of earthly things. How then will you understand if I speak of heavenly things? Right? See, that's this idea of a parable. 
Because Jesus is using the natural to explain something supernatural. Now, there's another important thing about parables. It's listed there. Parables will reveal God's truth to believers, and it compels them to respond. While at the same time, it conceals truth from those whose hearts are hardened towards God. See, listen, if you've closed your heart to God, if you have, if you have a hardness in your heart towards God, parables aren't going to clarify anything for you. All they're going to do is serve to, 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 to enhance that, that misunderstanding you have about God. I don't understand exactly how that works, and that doesn't mean God's unfair. You remember in Matthew 13, when he told the parable of the sowers, the disciples came to him and said, why do you talk in parables? He said, because you're blessed if you understand. You can take these things and you can apply them to your lives because a real-life situation makes it much easier for us to understand what God is looking for us to do supernaturally. Now, a parable is an expanded simile. Okay? And a simile is something where we say it's like something. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wind, w- wicked. He will be like a tree. All right? So that man is like a tree who's planted by living waters. That's a simile. A metaphor is a little bit different. That's where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Okay? That's a metaphor. Expanded metaphor is an allegory. Expanded simile is a parable. So what? Well, we have to be careful not to read too much into the parable, okay? Because the parable is, this is like this, okay? So, in order to really grasp what the parable means, we have to jump into the context. Because if we're not in the context, we're not going to know what it's being compared to. Ready? Okay, all that was free. Now we're going into the message. So, Matthew chapter 25, but we need to grab context. So, we're going to start in 24. We're going to start in 24, and we're going to pick it up in verse 3 so that we can gain the context as we're trying to understand the truth that we are all stewards of God's provisions. Big idea. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. You ever get jealous of the disciples? How cool would that be? I was driving by the lake and Jesus was sitting out on my... Hi, Emily. Boy, there's all sorts of new people here. All right. I was driving by, I saw Jesus sitting on the bench, so I pulled over and so I could sit and talk with him for a while. Man, how cool would that be? What would that be like? The disciples had that opportunity you have any big questions in your mind that you just love to ask Jesus the answer to? Yeah. And we do that. We get that. We know that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We know that Jesus is right here with us all the time. We, we know that and we understand that. How neat would it be to sit down like this with him? Well, the advantage we have is we get to eavesdrop on this conversation. Tell us, they said, <clears throat> when will this happen? When will the sign of the coming, or what will be the sign of, the, of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus is coming back, isn't he? Amen. Amen. I am so ready. Watch out, he said, that no one deceives you. 
For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumor of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Could I pause there a moment? I don't know about you, but I'm having a hard time figuring out what to do with all the extra time that I'm not using running to the phone to answer the election calls. I have never been so popular. And my mailbox is empty now. Don't you know? Did you notice? Did you notice what happened during the campaign? Everything about it. Everything about it, it seems to me, was designed to place fear and anxiety into the nation. Vote for me or this will happen. Don't vote for him or that will happen. Vote for her and this and vote for... And, and it was all, if you vote for this person, this war will take off. If you vote for this person, we'll be friends with Russia. If you vote for... Really? Wars and rumors of wars. Listen, what does Jesus say? Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. It's okay. God's still on the throne. Amen. We're okay. All right? Do we know what way the country's going? I don't know what next year looks like, but I know who does. And he is sovereign, and he is in control, and he is over all. So Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted. You'll be put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Ooh, see that in our world? People don't love very much anymore, do they? But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Listen, that's the context of the parable that we're going to look at. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Jesus was all about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The reason that he came was for the kingdom of heaven. Matthew makes that so clear. The kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is an already and not yet situation. Already, not yet. We're already seeing the kingdom of heaven. The minute that Jesus Christ came down, he he established that. And, And as the church came and as he indwells people here, we are part of, as the church, as those who have trusted Jesus as your Savior, you are part of the kingdom of heaven. Citizens of heaven. And we await a Savior from there, Philippians tells us. Amen? See, we are part of the kingdom of heaven. And we get to live that out. And we get parts of that this morning in worship and and as we look at the Word and as we share time with believers and those kinds of things, we get to live out that kingdom of heaven. But listen, there's more to come. And one day, we will be part of a kingdom of heaven where there is no sin. I am so tired of sin. Tired of sin? One day. The kingdom of heaven will come. One day Jesus will return. One day Jesus will come back and establish that part of his kingdom. 
And these, these parables that are in these two chapters and the one that we'll look at today are all within the context of Jesus coming back and being ready for that moment. We don't know when it is. Now, there's four parables. We're going to look at the fourth, but each one builds on the others. So we'll just quickly glance. We see one in, in chapter 24, verse 42, and that parable is to say that that time is unexpected. We don't know when it is. If we knew when it was, we'd be ready. Okay, men, have your wives ever left for the day and you knew she was coming home at 5 and you started cleaning at 4.54? I've heard of people who do that. See, if I, we don't know when Christ is coming back. Second parable is there in verse 45. And there it says to watch. Make sure you watch and be ready. Be, be doing what God has called you to do. The next one is the parable of the ten virgins. And it says to be prepared. Make sure you're ready. Don't, don't, don't think it's so far off. Because listen, it seems like it's a long way off. But make sure you continue to be prepared. You're continually ready. All right? Again, men, you ever been waiting for your wife to get ready? <laughs> no, okay. All right, so then the last one. Actually, my wife waits for me all the time. This is the parable we're looking at, the parable of the talents. And that says to serve while you're waiting. Make use of this time. Make use of the already as you anticipate the not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. Make the most of it. And how do we do that? By carefully stewarding the provisions that we've been given by God. So let's look at this parable, shall we? Again, it will be like, see, there you go, it will be like, now we know we're in a parable. Be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Um, then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought, uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. His master replied, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers 
so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he, who ha- he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's interesting, isn't it, to think that Jesus spoke this parable to his disciples in an intimate setting, and Matthew recorded it. So in a way, these very words of Jesus, as he was speaking them, he knew that we'd be looking at them now. I love that. He knew what each one of us needed to hear from this parable today. Love that. That's the word of God. It's living and active. And every time we open it, we have that opportunity. So we're stewards of God's provision. The first thing that I'd like you to see here is that God entrusts things to us according to ability. God entrusts according to ability. The talent. We think of talent today and we think, you know, I can dance, right? Nah, I can't dance. I can play piano. That's great talent that you have, Pastor Mark. You can sing. Those are talents the way we look at them today. But that's not what, God, what Jesus was referring to here. What Jesus was referring to here at the time when he was speaking this parable, because we need to remember in order for us to apply it to our lives, we have to understand how it was spoken to the people who were receiving it. And he was talking about units of money. A talent was a weight, a way to measure money. As I've looked at that this week, what I've come to discover is that a talent was actually equal to about 6,000 denarii. Isn't that impressive? Does that clarify it for you? How about if I say this? A talent was about 20 years' wages. Your NIV footnote says more than $1,000. I'd need more than $1,000 to live for 20 years. 20 years wages. This master was an incredibly wealthy master. And he entrusted his servants. Now, that wasn't unusual. For the time when when Jesus was walking on the earth, it wasn't unusual for servants to be uh, elevated to a point where they would be entrusted with great wealth. And the reason that they were entrusted was so that they could produce more wealth for those who they were serving. So the, the, the parable would have, would have been easily understood. But I love that God entrusted, or the master here, entrusted according to ability. See, Jesus knows you so well. He shaped you. He formed you. He knit you together inside your mother's womb. Every word that's on your lips, he knows completely. Jesus knows you. He knows your ability. He knows your capability. He does. And it's easier to count mine than yours, Bonnie. Amen. (laughs) But Jesus knows you so well, and he knows your abilities. Listen, each one of our abilities are different. Because our situation in our life is different. God, God has determined where you will live where you will grow, where you will work. So, as you're doing your job, you have the ability to do things that other people can't do. 
If you're selling a car and you're in that place, you have the ability to be God in that place that I don't. Whatever your place is, as you're over there at the Y, Pat, you have the ability to reach into a place that none of the rest of us do. Each one of us has an ability. Plus, we have how God has designed us. Those talents that he's given us, the mental capacity, the emotional capacity, each one of these things, he studies us and he knows our ability. And so he entrusts things to us according to that. It's important to remember. Sometimes we can get wrapped up wishing we had something somebody else had. You know? And listen, if you were able to handle that, God would give it to you. Don't feel bad about what God's given you. He's given to you according to your ability. So some questions. Do you recognize that you're a servant of God entrusted with provisions from him? And what are those provisions that I've been given? What are the things that God's given to you according to your ability as his servant? Second point. Remember, we're looking at the fact that we're steward of God's provisions. The second point, there will be an accounting. There will be a time when the master will come back and ask us what we've done with the things that have been entrusted to us. There is a time coming. You understand, each one of us are servants of God. Even those who don't recognize God. We sang in one of our songs, Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, you may not recognize God as your master, but he is. And so everyone will give an account. We're told of two situations when we see, when we see the king, when we see the master. There's two possible situations, okay? Did you catch them in here? They're pretty diametrically opposed. First, for the, for the servant with five talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Wow. I don't know about you, but I always look for positive reinforcement, don't you? I mean, I don't do a job so that someone can say, right? I mean, you know, I'm doing it so that somebody says, wow, that's, that's great. You did a good job. Isn't that why we, you know, right, for the most part? Can you imagine coming into God's presence and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. It's interesting to see that what happens if you've been faithful with with the provisions that God's given you, he will give you more. He will give you more responsibility. Isn't that super? Because you've got all that spare time you don't know what to do with anyway. Right? But think about it. If you're faithful with the things that God's giving you, he will entrust you with more. And he will entrust you with more. Listen, it is God who prepares the work in advance for you to do that he has prepared for you. So he is, you know, I think so many times Karen and I sit and we cut out little craft things, okay? Because, you know, three or four-year-olds aren't supposed to use scissors really well. And so... We'll cut out those craft things and everything else. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you've seen they come with the paper plates that are made to look like a smiling face of Jesus because that's extreme doctrinal truth that forms your, you know. But you're all here, right? Okay. 
But see, each one of those crafts, they're prepared by the teachers in each of those classrooms. They're prepared so that those, those students, those children then are able to complete them and bring them as a gift to their parents. Isn't that great? See, that's the picture I get in, in my mind of God. God has prepared work for you to do. He's gotten that already. I know sometimes we get so discouraged, Karen and I, because we'll have the stuff already and then the kids don't show up. And it's like, oh, we had it already. And now it doesn't get completed. How about that? Are there works that God's prepared for you? Are there things that he's entrusted to you that are going undone? Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to entrust you with more things. I'm going to prepare more things for you to do so that I can do them through you so that the world will be blessed because I'm coming again and the gospel of the kingdom must be preached. The second thing, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Wow. Do you know that heaven's going to be joy-filled? Let's pretend that's not rhetorical. Do do you understand and know that heaven is going to be joy-filled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I remember when I was a kid and I thought, I don't want to be a part of a church service forever. You all thought it too. Now I do. I want to be a part of a church service forever. Because forever is in the presence of God with great joy. I want to share in my master's happiness. Ooh. Wow. You know, hey, it's not the master's stuff that brings you down. All right? It's all the sin that brings you down. It's all your selfish junk that brings you down. It's all that stuff that robs your joy, robs your happiness. The stuff from the master is the good stuff. Even in the midst of hard stuff, it's still the good stuff. I want to share in my master's happiness. I don't want to be stuck in this stinking thinking stuff that I'm in all the time. Well done. What are you doing with the provisions of God? Second, second thing you could hear, either well done or... You wicked, lazy servant. I'll take the first one. Right? But how many of us, how many of us are not being careful with the things that we're given? We're using them for ourselves. We're using those things for ourselves selfishly. Instead of using them for the kingdom and using them for God, listen, if you take the things that have been given you by God for his use and you use them for, the, for yourself, you will, ooh, okay? So one of two, one of two things are going to happen at the accounting. So some more questions. Am I handling the resources that God has entrusted to me in a way that would indicate I know whose they are and that there is a day of accounting ahead? How would people know that I'm a careful steward of God? How can people know that I'm a careful steward of God? Okay, finally, remember, we're looking at the fact that we're stewards of God's provision. We're given according to our ability. There will be an accounting. An attitude reveals the heart, and that determines eternal outcome. Attitude reveals the heart. Listen, when we see this final servant, we get a glimpse into why he's a wicked servant. He says, I was afraid. I was afraid. Listen, do you know how many people in the world are afraid of God? 
It's not the way he designed it. I fear God. I have an awesome respect and, and adoration for God. I fear him, but I'm not afraid of him. You know why? He's my father. I'm his child. He loves me. He loves me so much. There's no possible way I could be afraid of God. But do you know that the majority of the people that you meet every day are afraid of God? Afraid of him. Can you imagine? Imagine that this biggest thing that ever came into your life And instead of being able to run to God and knowing that as a precious father, he's ready to wrap you in his arms and handle that thing, instead of that, you have to run away from him because you're afraid of him. All you can do is blame him for all the bad things that have happened in your life. He does, Bonnie. And so as we look at that and we consider that, that that, that there are so many people who are afraid of God. And listen, if you're afraid of God, you're going to see him as mean. You're going to see him as wicked. You're going to see him as terrible. And so, how many people are trying to earn God's favor? See, most of religion is me trying to make myself good enough for God. Listen, guess what? No matter how hard I try, that can't happen. But but most of the religions are being afraid of a, a God and trying whatever you can do to win the favor of that God, however it is you've designed him. And that's an eternal, an eternal situation. If you, have, if you have seen God in that way, that's an eternal choice. But listen, for those of us who are servants who have been won by the love of Jesus Christ and we see God for who he is, we're going to hear, well done. So who is God to you? Who is God to you? Because, listen, grace does not condone irresponsibility. Grace does not condone irresponsibility. So if you're irresponsible with the amount of, of, of uh, revelation of God that he's given you, grace can't step in. Who is God to you? Are you afraid of God? Are you serving him out of some misplaced fear that if you don't please him, you'll be rejected by him? Or do you see him as the loving father who understands your sin that has separated you from him and accept the provision of Jesus Christ and his rightness applied to your life? And then what are you doing with what you've been given? So, questions, is my life a witness to the fact that God is my king and that I'm submitted to his rule in my life. And is my eternal destiny secure? Now, I'd like to ask you, what are some things that we're stewards of? I said, Pastor Doug, it's, it's really special that you go away and leave me to talk about stewardship. Because <laughs> most of the time when you think stewardship, you think money, right? And hey, that's a big part of it. Because where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we're going to look at, at all these different areas in the Digging Deeper this week, but I just wanted to highlight a few of them for you. When they came to Jesus and they tried to trip him up and they said, what's the greatest commandment? Then Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is like it, love, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Could I say that the first place we need to start with stewardship is there? How are you stewarding your heart emotionally? Are you stuck in a deep, dark place emotionally that Jesus Christ has died to give you victory over? Are you stewarding your emotions well so that you're emotionally healthy? How about your body? Are you caring for your body well? This message has pierced me this week. I, I don't take the best care of my body. I know, see? God's pierced me with that. Am I stewarding this carefully? My mind. How am I stewarding my mind? What am I putting in there? What am I allowing to shape my mind? My energy. What do I use my energy for? If God gave me more to do, would I not be able to do it because I'm using my energy for something that, that isn't of his design for my life? And then my relationships. This is interesting. As my mom passed, I, I began to think of how am I stewarding my relationships? Because relationships come to an end. So what are we doing with those relationships when I have them? How am I stewarding my relationship with you, John? How am I stewarding my relationship with Karen? Okay, good. Whew. She said good. But listen, all kidding aside, that's an important question for me to ask her regularly. And it's an important question for us to ask each other. How are we stewarding our relationships with each other? You know, our self can get in the way. Do we see that that relationship we have with that other person is there so that Jesus can be shown through us to that other person? Listen, when you step out of the center of the universe and put God there, your perspective changes. And so your relationships are there so that you can reveal Jesus to those people you're in relationship with. What are some other areas that we can be stewards of? We also have our, our talents and our abilities, those things that we've been given, our time. We have our finances. We have our financial resources as well. And the environment. The earth is the Lord and everything's in it, Psalm 24 tells us. How are we caring for the environment? How am I taking care of that for God as a steward? Finances. What am I doing with my finances? What are we doing as a church? But what are we doing individually with those things? I remember I was feeling pretty good about myself in this area, and I went to hear a message, and the, the preacher was doing a great job, and he said, so, are you honoring God with your giving? When I put a check mark, I'm, you betcha. He said, are you honoring God with your spending? Preachers. Get all invasive like that, huh? That's a hard question. Is every penny I spend spent in a way that would honor God? Am I spending money on things that bring honor and glory to him? Am I giving back to him in ways that are bringing honor and glory to him? Am I careful about how I steward that? Talents and abilities. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, Deuteronomy tells us. So, those talents and abilities that God's given you, 
Are you using them solely for yourself, or are you using those for him? And see, this is all about the coming kingdom. It's all about the fact that there are people out there who need to know that Jesus is Jesus, and he is their hope. So, how are you stewarding those things? One thing I'd like to ask you to consider, it's not there, I want you to write this down. How are you stewarding your salvation? How are you stewarding your salvation? 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Are you stewarding your salvation well? Is it like, ooh, let's see, hell, heaven, I'll take heaven, got it, that's good, don't care about anybody else. That's not good stewardship. That's terrible stewardship. Because you have not been given your salvation for you. <laughs> You've been given your salvation because a gracious God has bestowed his love upon you in such a way so that you can reveal that to the world. So how are we doing with all this? Oh, man, I don't know about you. This excites me. It excites me to know that I have been entrusted by God according to my ability. And I have an opportunity to steward that for him. My master's coming back one day. I'm going to be ready. I'm watching for him. Prayer, absolutely. How are you stewarding your prayer? I want to be ready for him when he comes. There's so many different ways you can look at this. Pray over this carefully. Take the digging deeper. Are you ready for the king when he returns? Lord, I thank you. I praise you for who you are. Obviously, a list isn't exhaustive, Lord. Each one of us have been given all sorts of different things. And there's no way we can know what each one's been given. Lord, as we think about the persecuted church, I could say our Bible. How are we stewarding our Bible? The fact that most of us probably have a dozen of them in our homes when there's places where they don't even have one. God, how are we stewarding the things that we've been given? Help us to think about this carefully because of the coming kingdom. As we sing this final song, Lord, I pray that you would see it as an offering to you, that we would be carefully thinking of the words of this song in a whole new way. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.